This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Where's the kaboom? There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and on today's show, we welcome the guy who's poised to buy Twitter. Truth be told, we reached out to Elon, but all we got was a bot. So we're running with a special episode hosted by two guys you have to listen to three times a week. So sorry about that, Joe and OG, but hey, at least it's a great topic. If your 401k feels like a 201k, bet you never heard that one before, I just made it up. Today, we're discussing the top five 401k mistakes. Plus, one surprising group says they can predict market downturns better than bankers. Who are they? We'll share in our headline segment, and then we'll kindly segue into my trivia. And now, two guys who have the 411 on your 401k, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. Well, hey there, stackers. Welcome to the midway point of your work week. I'm Joe Salcihai. Let me be the first one to welcome you to Wednesday. We're so happy that you made it halfway through. And you know what? Good news. It's all downhill from here. And for about the next hour, you get to hang out with me and this dude across the card table from me, Mr. OG. How are you, man? Sorry, I got to slide over a little bit, get a little cozy. What's happening? That's weird. And I feel bad, too, because it's my fault. We had like a rain delay this morning. Generally, you know, when there's a baseball game and it rains a little bit. Yes. Uh, Sitting in uh, hotel room du jour doing this thing and realized that I didn't have enough space for us to record today. So if we were actually going to do this, we had to to clear some space. We clear some space. But people might not know who I am, OG, but I did stay in a Holiday Inn. So you're ready to rock and roll. How old is that ad campaign? Are you? (laughs) What's that? The Holiday Inn? The Holiday Inn one. Like, it's been a long time since they've used that reference, I just realized. Maybe, what, five, six years, Doug? At le- Yeah, at least. But it seems like everybody still gets it. Yeah. Unlike most of your jokes. It's like Kleenex. People easy. Well, no joking around today. How about that, huh? Ninja with the segue. We've got a great show. We're talking the about... The lighting at your hotel room is amazing, too, I can tell. You're like this dark, shadowy, mystic character from... From the abyss. I'm, I'm pretty much a dark, shadowy figure. People think of Why me. Why would anybody need mood lighting at a hotel? <laughs> I don't get it. Alone, talking about 401ks. <laughs> don't you set down the mood lighting whenever you're talking about 401ks? <laughs> Just put on a little <laughs> Barry White, get out the prospectus, cuddle up with that thing. Mm, what a fantastic night. I think we've already established my, my chosen romance music is Barry Manilow. <laughs> we, we did, yeah. Hey, coming up, uh, how to set up your 401k so it doesn't stink. We're going to save you from some potential problems. I think this will be an episode that you might want to share with some friends as well, because I've seen so many 401ks that could use some work. But before that, a headline that I think you'll probably also 
be talking about around the virtual water cooler in your next Zoom call. So uh, let's get the party started. But first, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Well, don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment's the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words... Your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money in the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Almost forgot the butt first. All right, now let's get the party started. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Our headline today comes to us from uh, the place where we get all of our top headlines, bosshunting.com. I beg your pardon. The title of this piece, written by Gary Liu. Well, you know what? I'm not going to give you the title. I'm just going to read the piece. Remember that canary in the coal mine scene from the big short? You know, the one where Steve Carell's Mark Baum realizes the global economy was approaching a historic decline? Sure. Do you remember where they were at when he had, coal mine? When he had that? No, remember they were in a strip Dangling club. from the preposition at the end of your question? <laughs> they, they were in a strip club. Well, as it turns out, this piece writes, that scene steeped in an alarming amount of reality, so much so that your everyday stripper can predict markets better than most finance professionals, at least according to a certain netizen. Been saying that for years. Mrs. OG is like, I don't care. It's not market research. Like it is. This is a work expense, dang it. <laughs> this, by the way, woman who says that she can predict uh, markets better than bankers can goes by the name on Twitter, Reverse Cowgirl 6. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Get, okay. Getting a little hot that in here. Almost, that almost got coffee everywhere. <laughs> Good night. I am not. This is, I'm just reading the piece. I'm just, don't shoot the messenger. I'm reading the piece. <laughs> who recently instigated a viral Twitter thread on the subject. The strip club is sadly a leading indicator, and I can promise y'all we're in a recession. The piece continues, the oracle of Orgasm City, or Horacle, as she playfully dubs herself. <laughs> I'm just reading the piece. Then added how stock alerts are routinely used to decide whether it's worth going to work and how a strip club is more of an operative tool for business rather than just a, quote, sin. She said, we always have to be aware of fluctuations in the market and how upper-class white men are behaving and spending their money. Okay, I don't know about upper-class. She talks about, right, right. Good, good point. <laughs> a lot of upper-class guys I know yeah. headed that way. Oh, I was going to go to the Hamptons, but instead... Right. Exactly. Let's go to the landing strip. <laughs> I thought I'd, thought I'd go out by the airport. Yeah. Right. In, in, in reference. Got a big business meeting <laughs> next to the airport. In reference to the 2001 Enron scandal, uh, she revealed that strip clubs were where energy salesmen brought their clients and recruiters, their, quote, prospective finance bros, yeah, due to how, quote, deeply integrated adult entertainment was within the business world. She said, one day I'll write about how Enron shaped Houston strip club culture in terms of zoning laws, normalization, 
which will generally be me coming full circle since we emigrated to the U.S. for my dad jobs at Enron. She talks about how, how, and I think she does actually make a good point, which is why I wanted to bring this up, OG, which is that, that there are some leading indicators. I'm obviously joking somewhat about this industry, but, but there's no doubt in my mind that fewer of these finance bros head to the strip club when money's not pouring in, right? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. And I mean, you can look at lots of different things. I mean, it could be if a hedge fund hasn't figured out this algorithm yet, I'm sure somebody can work on it. The number of house listings that have a price decrease on Zillow after they're listed. Yeah. Right. Like the last five years, house gets listed. I don't know about you guys, but I, you know, there's some areas that I pay attention to and I have a marked on Zillow, like when a house in our neighborhood and that sort of thing. So it's like, oh, the, the Sonusits are selling their house and it's sold. Like, whoa, holy cow. And now it's like, hey, that lake that we like, you know, there's some houses available and there's a reduction and there's another reduction in price. You know, you can use that as a tool too. Used car sales, new car sales, those are all different areas, discretionary, basically discretionary income, right? It's like, where are you going to pull back from if you feel personally that things aren't headed in the right direction? And uh, the first place I'd pull back from is 100% the strip clubs. But the second place, <laughs> I think be, I already pulled back from the strip club. Yeah, like a, again, I've I've lobbied repeatedly. I am not allowed to have a girlfriend. I've asked. <laughs> did you submit your request in triplicate? I did, and as today is my 20th anniversary, it's doubly stamped no, unapproved, Chukunk. denied, reject. Uh, the business meetings that I think I should have at strip. I'm kidding. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Can barely keep one woman happy. How the f- am I going to keep? T- <laughs> That's right. I graduated from strip clubs the second that uh, my friends stopped getting married. I'm like, no, let's not do the bachelor party of strip. Please, no, let's not. Right? No, no, pass. Uh, Doug, though, you ever think about getting into the uh, adult industry? Joe, being me is the most adult business. You, you should try it sometime. It's pretty great out here where you can. Just live your life and people don't need dad jokes or travel stories. It's just, it's like what real adults do, Joe. So I'm in the adult business. He's the adult in the room. Oh, gee, we've got, we've got one. Seriously, though, I used to be a stripper. I did it. Oh, for a long time. I mean, all the wallpaper and the walls. I was really good at it. Oh, boy. Get down low. Could reach up high. I was good at being a stripper. No dad jokes, huh? Got to wear the great outfit. Don't need any dad jokes. And we go right to the strip and paint joke. It's a highbrow humor. <laughs> Look at the pivot right there. Uh, but on that note, you know what was interesting, OG? When I was a planner, I had a couple clients that were veterinarians. And I remember at a client event, I was introducing them to each other and they were talking business and they were sharing that when it comes to your pets, that they could see market downturns <laughs> Because people would stop taking their pets to the vet, which is horrible because, you know, we talk about how our pets are a member of the family with the kids. Apparently, they're a member of the family until things go bad with the portfolio. And then maybe Cooper's not the equal member anymore that uh, that he used to be. Yeah. Some people would put that in a different, you know, hierarchy. Uh, Lake House, Cooper, Cooper Lake House, you know, depends on your order of operations and what you think is important. But uh, sadly, that's true. And I, and I bet that I bet that's also take it a step further. I bet it's also true to look at like adoption rates of pets. You could probably look at shelters of pets, like like it probably increases during, you know, not so good times because it does cost money. Yeah. But all, all of those are trailing indicators, right? Whether it's the strip clubs or it's the, those are all things that happen after, these leading indicators no, have caused the recession. I wouldn't think so. Actually, the stripper here, Doug, is saying it's a leading indicator. Is saying yeah, she sees agree. it before the banker does. Yeah, uh, I would. Yeah. I would. I would concur with that. I I don't agree. Well, you think it's when you get your first statement, or you you look check your balance online? Absolutely. And you go, I mean, look, all economics. Uh, economics is the study of human emotion, right? And so, how my emotions are. Uh, <laughs> driving me is going to control whether or not I feel relaxed and good enough to go to a strip joint or creepy enough, or if uh, I'm going to be a little bit 
uptight. I'm so trying to avoid words that are <laughs> that are conjoined with strip clubs in You're a so creepy way. You're so blocked up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I mean, uh, but but all of those things are going to indicate my current emotional state about my money, and to some extent how I treat my cat as well. I think those are all trailing indicators. You know, leading indicators are going to have much more to do with, I think, how like the what decisions the Fed is making, how import export tariffs are being treated. You know, some of those things that are can control more of the flow of money into subsidiary markets. I think the big thing here, though, I I don't know. You know, I I brought up this topic, but I also think, oh, gee, that there's not much that you do with this on the portfolio side. Like, I'm not going to trade my portfolio based on the fact that the strip club's empty, or you know, the. No, but do you remember? Do you remember the scene from The Big Short where they were, yeah, you know, where they were yeah, talking like, holy to cow, the, this is coming. This is an opportunity. The adult entertainment people, and they're like, oh yeah, I bought three houses, you know, with no money down, no dock, cash only, and and the hedge fund cash are like, holy cow. You know, yeah, they used it. I mean, I don't know if that was true to real life or if it was just uh, some sensationalized thing they put in the movie. But. And I'm not, I'm not trying to say that it's worthless information. Trailing indicators definitely serve a purpose. And if you, and if we haven't caught or realized some leading indicators, which oftentimes get missed, as in 2007, then absolutely, if you if you spot it on a trailing indicator, use it. And I would think that from that perspective, it is good. Well, I'm glad you said that this isn't worthless, Doug, because I don't think it is. But I do think, guys, that the way to handle this is if I'm a veterinarian or if I'm a stripper or if I'm in one of these cyclical industries, OG, I might get a little more worried about my job at certain times because I'm paying attention to what's going on in the economy. So this is the time when I might well, make sure that my debt's cleaned up or make sure that my emergency fund is is funded because I'm in an industry where I know historically things haven't gone well during a time like maybe is here. Yeah, I, I would agree. Veterinarians absolutely know when the market's going to the dogs. Oh, boy. You have pets, though, Doug, don't you? Absolutely. I've got two of them right now, two dogs that are living like kings right next to me right now at the moment. I mean, they say that I'm the master or, you know, people say, you know, if you're the master of your pets, but with my dogs, I'm only a little bit in charge because they like, they let you, they let you be (laughs) the master Wednesday afternoon when they need to be fed. That's like me with a cat. It's like, Hey buddy, time to do my bidding. Come on. Yeah. And cats give you that look like the the cats have that ability to look at you and you know, right away you're subservient. (laughs) Exactly. I'm thinking about like side hustle, becoming a beekeeper. By the way, you know these people that get into beekeeping? Yeah, crazy people. I feel like there's, you're trying to set up this joke and it's just going to fail miserably, but go ahead. <laughs> Why do you think I'm setting you up You know a these joke? guys that get into beekeeping? They get into it so they don't get stung by the economy. Let me get, <laughs> let me get in the right headspace to, to give you a condescending laugh. Go ahead. So I went no, to buy. No, Joe, we don't hear about the people that get into beekeeping. Why don't you tell us about it? How beekeepers were they? <laughs> So I went to buy my first set of bees. I knew it. And I told the guy that I wanted 12 and he gave me 13. And I said, dude, you gave me one too many. He goes, no, that's a freebie. (laughs) Oh my God. You're killing me. You're just killing me. Coming up next, 401ks. What are some of the biggest mistakes OG and I see people make with their 401ks? Stick around because we're about to dive into that. But before that, maybe uh, Doug can save this uh, segment by pivoting into some trivia. There's nothing that can save this segment. We've lost all of the listeners. There are three people that are about to listen to my trivia question. For you three, hey there, you three stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Since today, we're talking about cool things named with numbers, you know, like the 401k and 403b. I'd like to talk about my favorites. You know, there's a 500SL, A4, and F-150, you know, like cars. In fact, on this day in 1924, a popular automotive company made their 10 millionth vehicle. So my question is, which company was it? I'll be back with the answer after I go crank start this Model T. Well, you know what I think about Navy Federal? I think about the veterans that have done so much for our country. And I also think about some of our active service members. Want to say a special shout out to 
uh, my nephews, Colin and Nathan, who are both in the Navy. Colin is stationed outside Seattle, Washington on a submarine. And my nephew, Nathan, is in South Africa as an air traffic controller. And in Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants you also to celebrate members, many of whom go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. It's all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their family are eligible for Navy Federal membership. They offer 24-7 help from their U.S.-based member service. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate to see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. Well, if you're new to Stacking Benjamins, you may not know that I've tried out a lot of personal finance apps. I like to be a guinea pig and try out all these things so I know what I'm talking about when it comes to uh, what's helpful and what isn't helpful. And the app that I've used the longest has been Monarch Money, And it's because Cheryl and I, my spouse, were able to collaborate together. We can work on our goals together and our budget and our goals are right next to each other on the app. It is clearly the next generation of personal finance apps. So what is it? Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now... Because you're a stacker, you'll get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. I love the fact that we get to collaborate. I love the fact that it's customizable. And I also love that it's this ad-free privacy you can trust. They never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch myself, I totally get why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, because you're a stacker, you're going to get an extended 30-day free trial to try it out like I try out many different apps. And this one was sticky for me because, well, you'll see when you try out the 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. Hey there, stackers. I'm the guy who points at old cars on the highway as if everyone I'm riding with hasn't already seen it. Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. I'm sure our Gen Z listeners said Tesla and Gen Xers said DeLorean. But when we look back at who was making cars, at least 10 million of them 100 years ago, there's only one company we could be talking about. This company made $136 billion in 2021 and has now sold more than 350 million cars since they began. So which company made their 10 millionth vehicle in 1924? Ford! And now, to help you drive on the road to a better life, Joe and OG. Some Motor City trivia. Meep, meep. Well, Ford Motor. Not Roadrunner trivia. What was that? <laughs> meep, meep, meep. What is that? Meep, meep. I don't think Detroit wants to be known as the city that goes meep meep. I think it's. It, I think they want it to be more boom boom boom. boom, boom. Yeah. Imported from Detroit, boom boom. There meep, you meep. go. Yeah. Meep. All right, everybody, get out your four hundred one k statements because it's time for us to dive into uh, OG and I's latest top five, which is what are some top five problems people have with their four hundred one k and. In some ways, OG, this was this was difficult because I realized as I was putting together my top five that I generally see the same three mistakes over and over and over. So actually coming up with five was far more difficult than I thought, even though this is a place where people over and over again seem to make a lot of mistakes. I always struggle with creating a top five list because when you say top five, I think of four immediately and then can't get the fifth one. If you said create a top 10 list, I'd have eight immediately and then like two that i couldn't come up with so it's like uh, i can't even trick myself i try like i'll do the top six top five last piece of pizza syndrome you know you all of a sudden get full and there's one piece of pizza left of course doug always has a can-do attitude with the last piece of pizza i don't think he's ever suffered from that oh look every pizza is a personal pizza if you have the right mindset (laughs) if you have the right attitude It's a, I've got a, a friend gave me a refrigerator magnet, Doug, that says corks are for quitters. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's a, you internalize that, don't you? It's the equivalent. Yes. 
All right, uh, let's dive into 401ks and see uh, what the issues are. We're going to do these David Letterman style. So we're going to go from what we see as the least egregious mistakes to the most. So uh, let's dive in. Mr. Dude from the UK announcer man, kick this off. Number five. OG, how are we starting this? You going first? I going first? Uh, You go first this time. Yeah, my number five, and I see this especially in the early days, people with their 401k, is that they're way too conservative with their investment choices. You know, when you first set up these investments, uh, Nick Bajuli said this very succinctly when he was on our show about a month ago. He said that in the early days, it's much less about your asset allocation and much more about you putting money in, right? And so we get really conservative because we're afraid we're going to lose a few dollars. Well, in the early days, we want that volatility to work for us. And I think the only way to do that is to set a very aggressive allocation. I mean, we can't get at this money until we're in retirement anyway. And if I'm early on in my career, why not pick some of the most aggressive stuff so I might make a couple extra dollars and let it go. And the time to really, by the way, and I think I agree with Nick on this, the time to really get serious about your asset allocation, about how you diversify your investments, are when you find that those swings matter more than the money you're putting in. When, when you get to that point where the money you're putting in feels like a drop in the bucket and those up and down swings are a lot, well, now it's time, I yeah. think, for you to make sure you're well diversified. Yeah, that's a good way to think about that. I hadn't really quantified exactly, to your point, when does the asset allocation matter most? I suppose if your portfolio is swinging 20 grand a year in market performance and you're adding 20 grand a year of contributions, you know, it's kind of a 50-50 trade, but all of a sudden you're putting 20 grand in, but your portfolio went down a hundred grand this year, or up a yeah. hundred grand. That really can, that really can matter. So yeah, I like that one. Okay, good, 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 good. Uh, mine's kind of an easy one. I, I made a list. I don't know if I'm going to do it in the order that I made it. Not making sure your beneficiaries right. Oh, I didn't even get that one. What a great one. See, there's one. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I'd like to thank the audience. Thank my fans. How many people have an ex-spouse as a beneficiary of their 401k? I haven't seen the ultimate catastrophe with that, which is when someone passes away and it's still listed as the ex-spouse or something like that. But I do see a number of people who uh, have mom and dad. That's kind of a more common one. We work with a lot of people who are kind of 30 to 50. They started their 401k when they were 22 without a spouse or without a significant other and it's their brother and mom or something like that and then you say well you know you've been married five years do you want to take a peek at this and it's like oh it's right it's right i was like oh, well humor me pull it up on your computer <laughs> who's nancy <laughs> oh the, you know, i'm like i hope i'm not getting anybody in trouble but who's nancy <laughs> you know, i was like oh that's my mom it's like okay well you're going to be in trouble anyway because and see, here's the thing with that. If the beneficiary is incorrect, and I don't even mean that, it may be incorrect because you change your mind. You might have it be 50-50 to your kids, and you say, well, you know, one of my kids is a world-renowned heart surgeon. They don't need my half of my $200,000 401k. Like, I need to give all that money to my other kid or, you know, whatever. Like, you can make those changes. The hard part is saying, when people say, well, like, well, you know, mom would do the right thing. There's no way to get the money from mom to the right person without having lots and lots of problems. Right. Your gift exclusion every year is how much money can she give and not have to put it on her taxes? Yeah, 16 grand, yeah. but the taxes are due. You know, you got gift issues. It's not just as simple as like, you know what? Bill made a mistake. He really meant this to go to Tina. So here you go. It's like, no, there's no, there's no form for that to say like I effed up or, you know, my ex-husband effed up, didn't really want it to go to me. I'm going to give it to his kids. You know what I mean? Like that, that's just not a thing. So the other thing with beneficiaries is that, believe it or not, this is going to be hard to believe, but 401k companies sometimes misplace those forms that you send in or their systems crash and they reset to, you know, you'll say, no, I did this last year. I don't have to check it this year. Yes, you do. You have to check it. Check it every year. Make sure it's the way that you want it because sometimes they lose them. Sometimes they misplace them. Sometimes you put the wrong thing in. Sometimes you don't hit submit the way that you think. So beneficiaries. I remember giving a financial planning speech recently, OG, where somebody was telling me that a friend of theirs actually did pass away and they had their brother as beneficiary instead of yep, their two kids. And here's, here's the deal. 
these two siblings have fallen out. She and her brother, before she passed away, had had a falling out. They were not close, and he did not like his niece and nephew. Even if he could give them both $16,000 a year forever and do the right thing, he was not really inclined to do so. And yeah. it ended up being, to your point, just a huge mess. And because the document... Big family issue. The, well, the document supersedes the will. The, the kids tried to say, well, no, in mom's will, it said that we get the stuff. And obviously, the first lawyer they showed it to said, it doesn't matter what the will said. This document yeah. is exactly what it is. Beneficiaries are above everything else. That's right. Number four. My number four is one that you and I have been talking oh, about. cutting in line. All right. Oh, I thought that I was going first this week. Oh, you're going first every time. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, cool. We're going back and we're going back. No, after you. After nah, you. Nah, nah. It's okay. No, age before beauty. Go ahead. I did. Did you know, Doug, that was coming? By the way, that line was coming. I totally knew he was going to say age before, before beauty. beauty. Yeah, yes. that's his old trope that he always relies on every time. You got to get a new one, man. All right. Roger, will do. Just because you have all that hair does not make you beautiful. <laughs> my Jerk. number, my number four is using target date funds. And even if you have a really good target date fund, you know, in the past, OG, sometimes I've said, hey, if you've got the Vanguard target date fund, you know, your target date fund is is really good. Or if you've got the t- a target date fund that's in the TSP, your target date fund is really good. And I'm going to actually back off that because even if you have a really good target date fund, I think that for most people that are in the gray area of getting where they want to go for their retirement goal, you really need that last double. And even the best target date fund gets conservative faster than 90% of people are going to use that money. So that probably, if you're listening to this, that probably includes you. And if that target date fund gets really conservative in an upswing in the market like we just had, you're going to miss out on that last double. And you're going to miss out not on more money. You're missing out on maybe having enough to do all the things you want to do versus just doing some of the things you want to do. Yeah, the um, target date funds are on mine too. Uh, Doug had a great line for this earlier when we were talking. Do you remember your your name for target date funds? I wrote it down. I'm going to use it from now on. Terminal date funds. Terminal date funds. Yes, that's what I'm going to call them from now on. Perfect. That is <laughs> that is that great. Is perfect. Well, it really accurately describes this. Right. It assumes in most companies, and and then this is this fallacy that I think that people have is. You know, well, I might my money needs to be conservative. What you know, as I get close to retirement, it's like no, that's when it has to be the most opportunity. You have the most money right before you retire, right? Like that's the idea. Your 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 assets are increasing, so you can retire now. When do you want to like let off the your foot off the gas when you're like driving up a mountain, like right before you get to the top? No, you got you got to keep going, and then you let off the gas. You know, sorry. I mean, meep, meep. Meep, meep. I don't know what the. <laughs> you know, I don't know which, which one to use. <laughs> My point is, is that they get far too conservative, far too early, like you said, Joe. But it's under this assumption, like you have to be conservative when you get to retirement. You retire at sixty or sixty-five. If you're a non-smoker, you have a twenty-five percent chance to live to be ninety-two. Like that's a really good chance. <laughs> you know, that's, those are pretty good odds that you're going to see your 90s, which is 30 years away. Now, I, I agree. You have to have some money that's conservative. You have to have some money that's available for when you're 66 and when you're 67, 100%. But you also need money when you're 77 and 87 and, God willing, 97. So how is that money supposed to be invested? And you look at target day funds, they say, well, you're 65, whoosh, fixed income. And, and like you said, they get very conservative very early. So terminal date funds... Eh, do not use them. It's a path of least resistance. I get it, but um, but just take the take the twenty sixty fund. Look what's inside of it. Make that fund yourself, and then don't touch it. You know, I will save my terminal date fund rant for because you foreshadowed and said yours may be coming. I'm going to save mine for for that one because I have another issue with this too. But we can uh, save that for later. Oh, well, what's your number four? You have multiple. Terminal date funds. That that was it. I mean, I I, I oh, just that was it. Yeah, I mean, because it was on my list, so we just use them at the same time. All right, deal. Yeah, that I'm going to go easy. now, which is, I think the other fallacy that really frustrates me, OG, is really smart people listen to the show. Super smart people that self-identify 
as personal finance enthusiasts listen to this podcast, they will do the micro things about their budget. They will pay attention to every dollar coming in and out of their hands. They will do everything else. And when it comes to this issue, for whatever reason, I don't know if they think it's hard. If you're smart enough to pick a target date fund, you're smart enough to do your own asset allocation, OG. I'm going to push back and all those people go, no, a target date fund's fine because you just need, you know, you just need someplace to start. No, you're smart enough to do it the right way. And it's going to take you maybe 10 minutes more to do it the right way. And the difference is going to be a monster difference between what you get with a target date fund and what you get elsewhere. And so all these people that tell you, no, go ahead and do the target date fund because you know what? Just press the easy button. No, no, you're pressing the, I'm doing it wrong button. And it's not hard to go just a little further, just a little freaking further because you're smart enough to do it and do it right. Yeah, I just want to help everybody out, Joe, uh, because I think you've probably confused them. What Joe meant to say was uh, terminal date. Terminal date. What am I doing? Not target date fund. Yes. And then the other thing, I think if we play back the tape and you listen to how you you led into that, that rant, and by the way, super entertaining. I really enjoyed that. I think you said the other fallacy is there are some really smart people listening to this show. Oh, I meant the other <laughs> like, fallacy is M dash. Cause there's some really smart right. people listening to the show. M dash that you cannot do this. Yes. The fallacy. Yeah. Let me be clear. The fallacy is not that smart people listen to the show. There's no, there's no editor for uh, Joe's spoken word, just the written word. That's I told- why the book is so well structured and, uh, the podcast content is Helter Skelter. I was, I was talking at our live event last week in St. Louis about life insurance and about how much less expensive uh, term insurance is than permanent insurance and why that's the case. And I said, you know, because of the fact that statistically, most of us are going to die pre-65. And everybody in the audience freaked out and I had no idea what I just said because I thought I had said the exact opposite. They're like, what, 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 what? Woman in the front row is like, we're going to die before 65. Yeah. Oops. Going to die after 65. Good news. Statistically, OG, we're going to live a long time. I'm going to live longer than everybody. Number three. My number three is, and this is a mistake that I see when people change jobs, they roll the old 401k into the new 401k. And OG, the reason I think this is a problem has nothing to do with how good the new 401k is, because usually people go, oh, my new 401k looks fantastic. It's got lots of great options. You know, we talk about how good the TSP is, or maybe there's a lot of of good index style, low cost funds, and I can do all the diversification that I need, whatever it might be. It's not about that. It's about once you roll the old 401k into the new one, you are beholden then to whatever moves that management team decides to make in the future. So if they decide to go from great options to, you know what, we can't afford this anymore. Now we have to pass on some of the cost to the employees, which happens in a lot of 401ks. Well, now you're stuck with that decision. I really, really don't like rolling the old 401k to the new one because with the new one, you can make sure that it does exactly what you want with the fee structure that you want. And you can be flexible around areas that your 401k in the future might not be as good at as it is now. Yeah. If you're going to take the time to move it from one place to another, why would you not move it to the place that gives you ultimate control in terms of every sort of option, choice, cost structure, whatever you want to do? I mean, there's maybe a few tax reasons, but but generally speaking. Well, I, and that actually I, uh, is one. Let's mention one of those, OG, because there is also a giant one that I, I don't think made your list and didn't make mine. A big mistake, too, is if you have individual company stock in your 401k, rolling it at all might be a horrible idea. Did not make my list. Uh, Didn't think about that one at all. So that would be number six on my list. But yeah, if you have company stock in your 401k, there's a unique tax benefit that that company stock offers you if you treat it correctly upon your retirement or leaving of the company. And uh, there's a whole gigantic list of rules. It's called net unrealized depreciation. The idea behind it is that you can take the money out with a lower tax rate than your regular distribution from your 401k. So here's the moral of the story. If you have company stock in your 401k, 
go very slowly in your decision making. Just remember, company stock 401k, I got to research this or I got to talk to somebody about it because you could save tons and tons and tons of money in taxes by doing that correctly. We will give you, by the way, some links uh, uh, to help you down that journey in our newsletter, the 201, stackingbenjamins.com slash 201, because it is, oh gee, complicated beyond the scope. And even in the 201, I think we'll just be able to get you more started in the newsletter. Here's here's a link to to a financial planner. I mean, it's one of those things. It's like you really, uh, anyway, yeah. But how many times have you seen people miss that? And by the way, I missed it until you said there's some tax reasons. And I went, whoa, here's a, here's a big one. Uh, What's your number three? Oh, let's see here. What do we have? Uh, How's about not confirming your contribution amount with your pay stub? So you go online, you say, hey, I'm going to put in this percent, and you don't ever think about it again. You get to the end of the year, and for some reason, you didn't, you didn't put in as much as you thought. Or you get a check back in the mail, or they stop taking money out of your 401k because you put too much in throughout the year, all because you know you didn't really check it correctly. You know This could also be times around bonus time, right? You have, you, you get a, your normal paycheck is is uh, $5,000 a month, and all of a sudden you get a bonus for $10,000 and you forget to change your 401k contribution, and now a whole bunch of that bonus gets eaten up in your 401k. Not that that's a bad thing, but it could be too much. I think just not staying on top of what's going on. You know, you make a change or you start investing in your 401k or the payroll provider. So you're talking about the companies changing 401k company, you know, 401k investments with inside or the providers. All of those things have flex points in them, have opportunities for there to be a restriction. And the restriction is sometimes something gets screwed up and you find out December 20th that you missed out on something. So uh, just double check your pay stub just to see it's doing what you think it's doing. And if you're somebody that maxes out the 401k, meaning you hit the limit and you do that, you're lucky enough or or you've worked hard enough to get to a point where you can max fund it before the end of the year. I love this idea, OG, for the last couple months of the year, then making sure you still save that money somewhere else, you know, use capture yeah. that money. I've seen people those last couple months of the year, they, they totally don't think about it. They get bigger paychecks and they just go blow it. And then in January, I remember talking to some of these clients and back, it, back to a tight budget again. I can't figure out why the uh, Amex cards holding a balance all of a yeah. sudden in January and February. Yeah, yeah. Number two, my number two is another common one when people start off with a 401k. And that is, I really want to use things that perform. I'm not sure exactly what performs. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go look at that 401k sheet. They send me that ridiculous sheet of how things are performed. And I want to be in stuff that quote is doing good now. And by doing good now, I go look at the one-year return, and I pick that. And I think we rail against this all the time, OG, but every year, every new investor makes this mistake. There's no other way to sort that list. That's the thing that's frustrating. When you, when you go online and you say, what are my investment choices? And it says, here's the table of choices, right? They give you that. You can sort it alphabetically. That really doesn't do anything for you. But what does everybody sort by? You sort by one-year return or five-year return or 10-year return. And maybe all three of those. You got one year. Okay. Three, five, okay. Five. Hey, this one's been in here a couple, three times. I've seen it. I'm going to go there. And uh, if that's not the definition of buying high, <laughs> I don't know what is. You know, I, I've, I saw the statistic the other day from, 19, I'm sorry, from the January 1 of 2000 through the end of 2019. So that 20-year period, there were roughly 2,700 mutual funds in existence on January 1 of the year 2000, right? So 2,700 equity mutual funds. Of those 2,700 equity mutual funds, 40% of them made it to the end of 2019. Duh. 60% were absorbed, closed, transferred, whatever. So the opportunity that you have to like literally pick the winner in a 20-year time horizon is you know, 40%. And then of those... Only 20% of those actually beat the market, which is a whole different thing, right? So you look at the people that beat that five-year track record, and you say, what's the likelihood of this persisting for the next five years? So I'm sorting your list by the best performers for this past five years. 
the likelihood of them performing better for the next five years or good for the next five years is also one in five. So if you're looking at the top list, the chances are you're looking at the wrong part of the list. Look at the wrong place. The bottom of the list. Well, no. And that's the question is, do I look at the bottom of the list? Like, how do I, I can, I can hear people right now kind of talking to their device. Okay. That's what I don't do. Well, what do I do? Well, it goes back to your asset allocation conversation. You're investing, if you're 20 or 30 or 40, you're investing for the next 50, 60 years. And the only thing that you can control over that period of time is where your money goes. You can't control what the stock market does, whether big companies do better than small companies or small do better than big or international do better than U.S. The only thing that you can control is making sure that you participate in all of those returns by being diversified and um, having your, your fingers in all of that. That's my number two. Uh, OG, how about yours? My number two kind of coincides with what I talked about before about not checking your pay stub, but uh, not contributing enough to get the match and confusing match versus max. They sound the same. They have the same first letters. When people say I'm maxing it out. I'm maxing it out. That doesn't, that doesn't mean what you think it means, you know? So using your example before, Joe, you're saying, well, if you're lucky enough to max out your country, that's 20,500 this year if you're under 50. So you max it out before the end of the year. You could be leaving money on the table with your company match. So what you want to look for is find out from your HR department if they do a true up at the end of the year. And what that is, is to say, if you contribute early in the year, which by the way, you should, if you can, that's ideal. Get your money in as fast as you can. If you can put all 20,000 in on day one of the year, that's the best place to put it, right? Like that's the best time. Um, But that's only good if they're going to take your salary throughout the entire year and give you a, uh, a matching contribution on your whole salary. If they do it per paycheck and they don't offer a true up, that's the word you're looking for, then you have to make sure that you're contributing every single paycheck to take full advantage of the match. We also see people that'll say like, they, the 401k matches dollar for dollar on the first 3%, 50 cents on the next 3%. Okay, so how much did you put in? Six, right? Three and three. But they'll put in three and say, well, I'm getting the match. It's like, no, there's another part of that. Got to take the free money. It's very important to get the free, 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 free money. I think that's an important thing to emphasize. Take the free money, people. Get free money. Yeah. If you- I mean, it's 100% return. Like, I mean, this kind of also goes with this a little bit. When people say, uh, my 401k, it sucks. It only matches the first 3%. What the F? <laughs> like, would you, if your boss came to you and said, like, you know, your boss is like, hey, I know I'm paying you 80 grand this year, but uh, I'd like to give you a 3% bonus and give you another 2,400 bucks. What do you think? Would you go, nah, nah, that's not really worth getting a bonus, boss. I'll be honest. I mean, if you're giving me $5,000, I'd take it, but 2,400, nah. I mean, it's free money. Give, I'll take it. <laughs> In fact, there is a company that I just saw advertise this. Did I send it to you guys? Don't think so. Did we talk about this on the show? No. It looks shady AF, man. It's basically... As shady as that TikTok guy on Monday? Yeah. So interesting. Why is this ad getting served up to you in your browser if it's that shady? What else are you viewing, OG? I told you before, it's a business expense. Moving along. (laughs) what's What's your number one? Number one. My number one and the one that uh, I think encompasses a lot of the stuff we already talked about, but it is the number one problem I see people have in their 401k. It's not performance. It's not asset allocation. It's not target date funds, not being too conservative, not looking at the last performers. It is you don't put enough money in, period. Oh, that was... That was it. Like period, period. And now period, you drop Mike. I, done. I, I saw this. Uh, I saw this thing on Twitter today that I thought was the greatest. It said, "If I say, whoa, that's a crazy story.' Once I say that twice, wrap up your story." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's almost like Doug's unsubscribe yeah. comment. Unsubscribe. <laughs> whoa, that's crazy. Whoa, that's crazy. It's time to wrap it up. If I say it twice, it's time to wrap it up. When Doug, when Joe says period, period, period he's period. done. It's done. time to wrap it up. I call this, this is my number one also, I call it the $1.4 million mistake. When I started working at American Express, I was 21 years old. You know, we all make money decisions at the time that we think are the best that we can do. 
I don't believe that people walk through life financially and go like, you know what? I'm going to do something really stupid with my money right now. This is going to haunt me for 20 years. <laughs> you know, hold my like, beer. <laughs> yeah, hold my beer, right? It's like we do what we think we can do as best as we can do it. And it and it's like, well, you know, I couldn't help it, but I had a collection. I couldn't help it. My car was, re- you know what I mean? Like we we get ourselves into these things and then just kind of like, well, I'm trying, right? So a little self story here. Self-deprecating story? Yeah, absolutely. I didn't contribute to my to my 401k at American Express right away uh, for a long time, as a matter of fact, because I didn't have the money. And the impact of that is so profound over a long period of time. I did the math and said, you know, when do most people start really getting serious about this? And it's usually in your mid-30s. That's when we see people come to us and say, you know what? I've either done a great job for the last 15 years that I've been working, and now I'm at that you know, now I've got some complexity and I, you know, I want to help or I haven't done anything for 15 years. Now I don't have anything going on. Now I need help. Like that's kind of a, it's a merge point that I've seen in our business. So I use that as an example. And I said, I started working when I was 21, but let's say that you start when you're 22 and you don't contribute at all to your 401k until you're 35. So you miss out on those first 13 years and all you're doing is putting a hundred dollars per paycheck in. So 200 bucks a month and you get a $200 match. You would have contributed over that 13-year period about $31,000. Not an insignificant amount of money, but in the grand scheme of things, 100 bucks a paycheck. And that's what really gets me when I look back on, on my life, uh, early financial decision. I'm like, I didn't have $100? What the hell was wrong with me? 100 bucks? I had $100. It's something. A hundred dollars is something, but you know, you look, you go, hundred bucks. I didn't have a hundred dollars. Okay, so I miss out on a hundred dollars per paycheck plus the company match. I missed out on about one hundred and fifteen thousand dollars worth of four hundred and one k balance by the time I was thirty five. If I didn't make another single contribution in my four hundred and one k from that moment forward, when I retire at sixty five, one point four million dollars. That's the impact of missing out on the first 13 years of $100 per paycheck with a $100 match. It's a million and a half dollar decision. If you can do anything when you start working, if you're a student and you get a job, live like a freaking student for like, you know, you just got out of a dorm. You just got out of a house, a frat house. You just, you know, you used to eat ramen noodles five minutes ago. It's okay to eat ramen noodles again. You know, you get your first job and you go from making nothing to 50 grand or 70 grand. And I'm hearing stories of kids making 100 grand. For the love of God, live on 80 of it. You get a $60,000 job, live on 40. Figure it out. Like, you can do it. You just did it. You were living on nothing five seconds ago. You can make it work. Get a roommate. Do whatever you got to do. If you start that trajectory there where the first 20 grand goes to you, and that's an even more profound sum than what I was talking about in terms of $100. But if you can make it so the first 20 grand goes to you and your 401k, it is profound the amount of money that you'll have when you're 40. And all you have to do is just start on the right step. You can still increase your lifestyle from that point forward. Just do it from you know 20 grand less than whatever that salary offer is. And um, it will change your family tree just by doing that. It's so hard to add it back later Yeah, when you're like, well, I'll just wait until, you know, I make 80 grand. Like I need, if I can make a hundred, then I'll save. No, you won't. You won't do it. Like you have right. to tear the bandaid off. Money expands into whatever you allow it to. Back. If you make 150 grand a year, you will figure out a way to spend 150 grand a year if you yeah. want to hard enough. Just like if you want to learn how to save 20% of your income. You can save 20% of your income if you make 10 grand or if you make 100 grand or a million. It's it's all what you choose to focus on. By the way, it is more fun doing that on a million. I'm just going to poke in there. It's way more fun doing <laughs> it, it on is. a million. A hundred percent. It is way more fun to save 20% of a million. But I will tell you that I've never met anybody who started out there. I've never met anybody who goes, all right. Now that I make 400 grand a year, I'm ready to save. Right. The last 20 years, I haven't saved a penny, but now I'm ready to do it. It's like the myth of having more money in my pocket is going to create better savings habits is a myth. Doesn't happen. So you have to do it day one. If you've got kids, you got to teach them how to do it. 
if you're 25 and you're like, oh, shoot, I just missed it. I was supposed to start this three years ago. Start today. Just do it. Like you will figure out a way. And in 15 years from now, you won't remember the crappy apartment you lived in. Man, what a great top five. What did we miss? Or what does your top five look like? What are the top five things you think, money nerds? Head to our Facebook group, The Basement, stackybedjamins.com slash basement, or hit up OG, not the fake OG, on Twitter. Not the fake OG. Me, Average Joe Money, on Twitter. Talk to us on social media. What's your top five mistakes you see people make with their 401k? Love to have a discussion around this topic. Speaking of discussions, as we wrap up today's show, I am off the road this week, OG, but I will be getting back on it again next week. On Tuesday, I will be in Longmont, Colorado at Mr. Money Mustache Headquarters workspace in Longmont. They're going to serve foamy beverages, I've been told, uh, drinks and uh, light hors d'oeuvres. So there is a $10 charge. We're having a little bit more of a formal event. Mr. 1500 Carl Jensen's going to do a really uh, fun interview with me at Mr. Money Mustache Headquarters. That's on Tuesday. On Wednesday, I will be in Denver. Looks like we have a nice group of Denverites coming out to meet with us there. And on Thursday, Salt Lake City, Friday, Phoenix. I know Salt Lake and Phoenix, you've been watching diligently to see where the heck we're going to be. Well, we finally have that sorted out. Go sign up, stackybedjamins.com slash stacked. And then things will come to a conclusion, sadly. I'll be in Las Vegas in Summerlin, at the Barnes and Noble. Yes, 1 p.m. And then I will be at the Bellagio Baccarat table. <laughs> I will actually sadly be at the airport like two hours after the event's done going home so I can sleep for about 15 days, I think. I know I, I promised a big party, OG, but I got to tell you, the same brain that said, hey, let's do 40 is the same one that said, hey, let's have a party at the end of this. And the one who's done 35 of these so far, it's like, yeah, it might have might have overreached a little bit. So uh, we'll have some fun, though. I can't wait to see you, Vegas. Hey, Joe, are you still giving out these shirts as a prize on the tour, the one I'm wearing right now? We are. Uh, we, we are. Doug, uh, thank you for providing trivia questions in all the cities that you weren't able to make it to. But yes, the one way to get a Stacking Benjamins rock and roll swag tour shirt is by coming to the event. Uh, Brad might put them up for sale later. We haven't decided, but right now the only way to get those is to win one stackingbenjamins.com slash stacked to come join us in the last few cities. I think Doug it's worth flying to right to come hang out with us. You should probably fly into one of those cities and, uh, Vegas. Yes, absolutely. Or if you can't afford the plane ticket, but you just want to see my rippling pecs in a stacking Benjamin shirt, just make sure you watch the YouTube version of this episode. (laughs) Because you got the Smedium on. I'm flexing right now. I'm glad earlier on when we were talking about the adult industry that uh, Doug is like, I am the adult. Look at the flex now. (laughs) There we go. And last, if you want to be adult with your money, if you want to do some adulting with your money, OG and his team are taking clients. And the way to interface with them is head to stackybedjamins.com slash OG. That's the link to their calendar. And you can see how you can think bigger about your financial goals from here on out. Maybe it's not just the 401k. Maybe it's you need to think bigger. Stackybenjamins.com slash OG. All right, Doug, take it from here, my friend. What should we have learned today? Sure thing, Joe. Here's what everybody should have learned. First, we're not going to judge you on what leading indicators are in your browser history or which trailing indicators show up on your visa bill. Whether it's something spicy like the bond market or a gentleman's club near the airport, just pay attention to the economic signs all around you. Second, using a retirement plan at work, don't make the $1.4 million mistake. Save early and often. You'll figure out ways to afford the money and your future will be happy you did it. But the big lesson... Turns out not all numbers are interchangeable. It's never a good idea to roll over your 401k into an F-150. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2022, and is created by Joe Salcihai. Our producer is Karen Repine. 
The show is written by the brilliant Paulette Perhatch with help from Joe, me, and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. After you listen to our show, check out the 201 Deep Dives written by our website manager and blog editor, Brooke Miller. You'll find the 411 on all things money at the 201. Just go to stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude is our social media coordinator and the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. So, say hello when you see us posting online. Here's a weird fact. Both she and Tina Eichenberg are never in the same room at the same time. To join all the basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com slash basement. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you next time back here at the Stacking Benjamin Show. Not only should you not take advice from these dorks, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. You're still here? The show ended. Go home. Well, okay. If you're going to stay here, let's talk about the home buying experience because, man, can the experience of buying a home be difficult? But Navy Federal Credit Union is here to help military members and their families tackle home ownership. They offer mortgage options with zero down payment, so you don't need to wait years to save. They offer mortgage options that don't require private mortgage insurance, so you'll save money each month. Members save $2,500 on average when they choose Navy Federal for their mortgage. With resources like Realty Plus, you can get an experienced real estate agent. They're a top VA home lender. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. Insured at NCUA, equal housing lender. I think there might have been another uh, slime ball today. <laughs> I think it's slime ball week on the after show. I uh, I came across this and golly, I wish I rem- I thought that I screenshot and sent it to you guys. It's a company that is doing you a solid. They're looking out for you. You don't contribute enough to your four hundred one k. We'll help you do it. That's nice. What? Sounds nice. Those sound like likable people. We're going to put money in your 401k so you don't have to. Nope. We are going to give you money to replace the money that you would put in your 401k. So you're not putting money in your 401k right now, Doug? Because I don't have I'm one. Gonna, I'm <laughs> You're right. You don't. Me and Joe do. <laughs> we stuffed that baby full of all the profits from Stacking Benjamins. I, I keep hearing about these luxurious things that are offered to other Stacking Benjamins team members. Amazing. Like W-2s and 1099s. I think the way to phrase that is both profits. We put both yeah. profits into the four dollars. Yeah. So anyway, so you're not, you, you know, you don't have enough cash flow to put money in your 401k. So you call this company and they will say, all right, well, let's take a look at your 401k plan. You get a match, you know, dollar for dollar in the first 3%. So you make 80 grand. We're going to give you 2,400 bucks. So that you can put twenty four hundred bucks in your four hundred one k, we're gonna swap out. You know, we're gonna give you the twenty four hundred. You put twenty four hundred in. I like it. Yep. The next logical question is: What's in it for them? Exchange exchange for what? They get, and I'm I'm misquoting it. I'm sure. So don't at me, people. But it's like you don't pay anything back at all. There's no interest. There's no credit score. This is just purely based on your income and your 401k documents. It's You give back 20% of the profits that that money makes or something like that. So I don't know how they keep track of it or what, but 
if you leave the company, you take out a check and send it to them. If you retire, if you say, I'm going to work at this company for 40 years, they get the check on the back end. And it's like 20% of the profit that they make because of their contribution. Which should tell you everything that you need to know, right? When you had your rant earlier about you have to do this, you have to put money in to the 401k because, oh, gee, if these people have done the math, right? I mean, you don't, you don't start a company doing that if you don't know what the math is. You're really kind of preying on people that don't know how the math works. But here's another question. What happens to that money when they go out of business? Because there's no way they're going to survive. So could I just take, this is where my head is on this. I'm taking oh, all their free money. Do I get to money. keep it? They're, they're going out of business in like four and a half years, and I just got all that free money. It's like I saw what all those. Go wrong? I saw all those movies on my movie pass card because you knew that was going out of business. So I went and saw as many as I possibly could. Like, yes, let's go see as many movies. Yeah, I mean, there's so much wrong with this. I mean, it, it it's a it's a again hell of a business idea. It's almost like selling selling life insurance, like the guy yeah. on Monday. But um, but you're right. If they're willing to give you basically a free loan with no interest in exchange for the back end of pay, like what does that tell you about like how lucrative this must be in their models? You know, like I'm going to give you 2,400 bucks and you're going to give me 240,000. You're right. You know, yeah, kind of, I, I, I just thought like, Hmm, another way for people to get bilked out of cash. Because the other thing I was thinking, and I thought about it in this context, you said, Doug, you thought like, how am I going to (laughs) manipulate this for my benefit? I was thinking about it. Like, how do you do that? So you leave your job after three years and they go, cool, it's time for you to pay us back. Like just do an IRA, IRA withdrawal, you know, like you got a taxable thing. You got penalties to pay. You've got, you know, if you're retired, that jacks up your Medicare bill for the next year and a half. As you, you know, mm. as you have higher income, you pay higher Medicare. It's like so much that can go wrong with that on the back end, but, but not really disclosed. It didn't seem like, just give us 20%. On the, just, we'll, we'll, we'll sort it we'll out. We'll call it good. You keep 80, we'll take 20. We'll call it good. Good, 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 good. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is, Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and best careers for military spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.